Hi, I'm Tammy Hicks-Jackson. Welcome to my podcast. I am a Christian pastor in the United Methodist tradition, and this podcast covers a variety of topics. You may find anything from Bible study and devotions to yoga and meditation from a Christian perspective to my thoughts on Christian leadership and the church. Look for the descriptions and the tags for each episode to find what you're interested in. And thanks for taking this journey with me. Let's jump into this episode. Let's talk about the issue of trust for just a moment. During a recent class meeting, I was introduced to the book, The Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey. And he gives in an article of 10 reasons to buy his book, 10 reasons to invest in building trust. And I think he is correct that trust becomes a key component to leading well in the world in which we find ourselves. And in this world in which the church needs to lead culture rather than follow it, that trust is going to be incredibly important. We've been watching trust in the church and in Christians be eroded for a while now. All the scandals, financial scandals, um, particularly the sexual harassment and sexual abuse scandals. But there's also a lack of trust that comes with spiritual manipulation, with um, narcissism, with these larger-than-life personalities. So he gives the 10 reasons why people should invest in his book. And one of those is he talks about we live in a world of declining trust. I've just talked a little bit about that, but he lifts up the fact that distrust is contagious. But thankfully, trust is also contagious. We can inspire people to trust. And if we deliberately do the things that move the needle on trust, others can be inspired to take that same journey and to build their trust. Trust becomes important because in this multi-generational world in which we are living inside the church, we have a number of different generations that come with a basic instinct to trust or not. And that needle lands at different places for those different generations. Everyone wants to be trusted. All the generations do. However, there's a difference. Traditionalists tend to operate under the premise that trust is earned, while the younger generations operate under the premise that trust is given. And the reality is that both of these are true, but how do we establish it, convey it, and maintain it in a way that meets multiple generations' process for arriving at a place of trust? It has become really, really critical, and Covey says this, the reality is that most organizational performance issues are actually trust issues in disguise. In fact, many of the clients that I have the opportunity to work with are not focused on a trust issue, but they come to recognize that trust truly is the rising tide that lifts all boats. You get better at trust, it will make you better at everything else you need to do. It is a game changer. On the other hand, hoping for sustained organizational performance in a low trust culture is expecting to keep harvesting fruit from a dying tree. Uh, end quote. So I think it shows how important it's going to be that trust and culture um, have an aspect of trust. So as I considered trust, my mind immediately went to the Bible. Do we have any biblical examples of trust or people with trust issues? And the reality is that scripture is full of them. 
Um, most of the time, those examples are people struggling to trust God, and we see the nation of Israel struggling. But I came down to a man named Gideon. Gideon is a man that God raises up as a judge during a very difficult time in the Israelites' history. His story appears in the book of Judges in chapters 6 through 8. Most of us are familiar with Gideon because there is a men's organization that is named for them, named Gideons, and they are the ones that place the small Bibles in the hands of students in the military and place the Bibles in hotel rooms and hospital waiting rooms. That has become their mission, and they were inspired by Gideon, and you can look up why they chose that particular name. Gideon has always been a difficult uh, figure for me because it feels like he tests God. He um, puts out a fleece. So he will say, God, if you're really calling me, I'm going to put this fleece out. And tonight, I want the ground around the fleece to get wet with dew, but I want the, the fleece to be dry. And so God does that for him to help uh, build his trust and affirm him. But then it's not enough. So on another night, he says, okay, well, now I'm going to put the fleece back out and I want the fleece to be wet and the ground to be dry. I want no dew on the ground this time. And so they do this two or three times, continuing to test God. And I find myself getting annoyed. However, I realize that for me, I find it easy to trust God. It's not my trust in God that has been shaken. It would be my trust in people. And I must allow for the fact that other people's trust may have been shaken in God. So I went to Gideon and took a look at his whole story. And he is raised up as a judge at a time when the people of Israel have disobeyed God and they are currently being oppressed by the Midianites. So they are we could quibble about whether they're actually enslaved or they're borderline enslaved, but they are certainly under the Midianites are certainly driving them nuts and, and keeping them in a state of discomfort. And God comes and speaks to Gideon and he immediately talks about the fact that he is having a hard time believing what he's being asked to do. And he, his trust in God is what has been shaken. So, a, a prophet of God, another man of God, comes to Gideon and says, God has chosen you. And I'm in Judges chapter 6. And so the Lord's messenger came and sat under the oak at Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to hide it from the Midianites. The Lord's messenger appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So this may sound a good bit like the story of where the angel first appears to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, suddenly this angel shows up and delivers this message. But Gideon has a very different response than Mary, the mother of Jesus. Gideon replies and says, with all due respect, my Lord, if the Lord is really with us, then why is this happening? Why are all this amazing works that our ancestors recount to us saying, didn't the Lord deliver us from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has allowed Midian to overpower us. So it says that the Lord turned to him, looked him straight on. So the person of the angel, the messenger that has appeared, looks at him and says, you have strength. So go and rescue Israel from the power of Midian. Am I not personally sending you? So God is saying, you have the strength to do this. I have found you 
to go and help me solve this problem. But again, verse 15, Gideon says, with all due respect, my Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest one in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my household. This may sound like a lot of other humility speeches that we hear. Oh, not me. You found the wrong person to lead, to be this leader. I I can't do this. You need to find somebody else. And the Lord replied, because I am with you, you will defeat the Midianites as if they were just a single person. So Gideon says to him, if I've gained your approval, show me some sign that it's really you speaking to me. Don't leave here until I return. Bring out my offering and can set it in front of you. And the Lord or the Lord's messenger says, I'll stay until you return. So Gideon goes and prepares this and comes back and they begin their journey together. So as I considered these three chapters in the story of the life of Gideon, I now understand why God is willing to keep doing the things that Gideon asks of him, because Gideon's trust in the Lord has been shaken. He is doubtful that God is the powerful God that he's heard about in stories. He is doubtful that God maybe even really is a good God because he's allowing these bad things to happen. And he is doubtful that God actually cares, because if he cared, how could he stand silently by while this is happening. This is something we um, who do theology, clergy, call a, a theodicy, like as we grapple with why bad things happen to good people, and it has shaken Gideon's trust. So what we see God doing is we see Almighty God rebuilding Gideon's trust in God. God, in my opinion, kind of stoops down to do the things that Almighty God should never have to do, and that is prove who God is to people, to the very people who are supposed to be trusting in God, to the people that God is calling to be part of His crew, and yet God is having to rebuild trust. So we can be in an environment where we also need to build trust or rebuild trust. And it means we may have to do some things that feel a little uncomfortable, a little beneath us, a little annoying, in that we have to work to rebuild that trust. And what that means is God has to be very explicit, very present, and has to bend over backwards to be sure that what he is doing engenders trust in Gideon so that Gideon can inspire it in others. So as we think about trust, I think we need to be willing to go the extra mile, to do the things maybe even we don't think we ought to have to, to be more transparent than ever before, to build or rebuild or maintain trust in us as Christian leaders um, and in the institutional organization of the church so that people can trust that we are who we say we are, that we are doing what we say we are doing, and that we will not inflict more hurt and more pain upon them. So um, let's, let's have a prayer 
and um, and pray about that. So I invite you to find a little stillness. I don't know what you may be doing as you're listening to this podcast. You may need to press pause, come back to this later, or maybe just pause for a minute um, if you're working about your house or your office um, and take a minute and just get still with God and let us pray. Almighty God, it is you who created us, who shaped us in your image, who breathed into us the breath of life. It is you who have called us to be your children, to live in relationship with you. It is for us and out of your love for us that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to live and die and now ever live, Scripture tells us, interceding for us, praying for us that we will do and be who you need us to be. Um, Out of your great love for us, you sent your Holy Spirit to indwell us and to empower us to be the people that you've called us to be. And Lord, we repent of all the ways that the church has hurt people, that Christian leaders have not been who they should have been. Some of those were not intentional. Um, as, as we tried to do our very best, we failed to do so, and we didn't understand what those choices and those actions would lead to. But Lord, we also confess that sometimes those things were intentional. There were other agendas at work, other things at play, and people have been hurt And the reputation of your son, Jesus Christ, your reputation as God of the universe, and our integrity as Christians have been hurt. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us um, and show us how we can seek the forgiveness and the reconciliation of those who have been hurt, not just for our own individual congregation, but for your church universal, for what the name of Christianity has done and been in the world. And Lord, we just ask that you would give us eyes that can see the pain that has been inflicted and the trust that has been eroded, and then inspire us by the power of your Holy Spirit to be and do what we need to, to rebuild that trust, to re-earn the trust of people in who the people who follow Jesus Christ are. It doesn't matter if we were personally responsible for that hurt or not. It can become our mission and our purpose to rebuild it. And Lord, we ask that you would lead, guide us, and direct us in this way individually as a group of Christians and as your church universal. Let renewal and revival come to your people as we can be trusted to be the people you want us to be. We ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and for His glory and honor and not our own. May it all be about you all the time and in every way. This we ask with our whole heart and our whole being. In Jesus' name, amen. So may you go from this place um, inspired to examine and see all the ways that you are either building or eroding trust with the words you choose, the actions you choose, the things we choose to do. And may we as leaders in Christian community, which we all are, um, seek to build trust and not erode it and to be quick to apologize and correct our ways when we make those inevitable mistakes that do. So those are my thoughts and reflections on trust. I would love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to email me. Um, 
Tammy at TammyHicksJackson.com. So have a great day.